As a writer, I started journaling as soon as I could pick up a pen. In 2010, I decided to journal in a much more public way by creating my blog, MSThing.com. That's what he said is an extension of my blog and what I like to consider a weekly peek into my personal journals. As someone who's always had a knack for making the ordinary extraordinary, each week you can expect to hear all about what the hell I've been doing, what I'm reading, watching, and listening to, and plenty of opinions and asides along the way. Consider me your office bestie you don't hang out with outside of work, but love to catch up with. Welcome to That's What He Said. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to That's What He Said with me and this thing. I'm so excited you're here today, and I'm really, really excited for today's episode. As you guys know, I was supposed to talk to Meg last week, but we had some technical difficulties. And let me tell you, we made up for it and then some with today's episode. Meg and I talked for well over an hour, and honestly, both of us felt like we were just getting started. I didn't even realize like how many uh, tangents that I was going to want to go off on with her but she is such a well of knowledge and not only that she's also like an incredible speaker very articulate very just well spoken in general and I think you guys will hear that and agree with me and it just makes it easier to want to keep talking to her and really like you know get into the details of things break stuff down so depending on if you guys love this episode or not I am thinking that I'm definitely gonna have to have her back because I just like I said I feel like we were just getting started with today's episode but before we do actually get started with the meat of today's episode let's dive in super quickly to what the hell I've been doing So as you all know, I went to Chicago last week, so it made the week in Dallas incredibly short because I left for Chicago on Thursday morning, and my sister told me to bring my heaviest, warmest winter coat, and I'm so glad that I listened to her because it was really fucking cold there, Um, and I love the cold, and I love snow. I just, I love those environments, so it doesn't bother me, but I was just very happy that I heeded her advice and didn't try and bring one of my cuter, more fashionable coats. The coat that I brought is one of those sort of viral coats uh, or viral pieces of clothing from Amazon. And it was really big last season. It's by this brand called Orale. That's O-R-O-L-A-Y. And it is a pretty incredible coat if you live in a cold place and you need all of the trappings of a winter coat. So it has crazy insulation. The insulation is so amazing because the body and sleeve filler is 90% duck down and 10% duck feather. So it is a down comforter sort of coat, if you will. And the uh, hood is lined with fleece. It has six massive pockets on it and special little hidden pockets and side zippers. And I find that incredibly helpful in cold climates because you're already wearing this bulky coat and trying to stay warm. So you don't necessarily 
want to have to sling a purse across your body or on your shoulder in addition to all of that. So it was really nice because the whole time I was in Chicago, I never carried a purse with me. I just had my cell phone and my lipstick and my wallet in random pockets all over this coat. It's just really fabulous and it comes in a bunch of different colorways and you can also get it with a furry hood or without a furry hood. And it looks like it's retailing from about 150 to 160. I'm just letting you guys know all of the the 24,000 ratings that this coat has gotten are true and it's really, really wonderful. So if you're in the market, I will link it in the show notes and I highly suggest that you look into it. So anyway, besides my coat tangent that I just went on that... <laughs> makes no sense. Chicago was cold and Chicago was great. It was a very chill trip. As soon as I got in on Thursday, my sister promised me that we would go to my favorite cheeseburger spot in the entire world called Au Cheval. And she made good on that promise. We went straight there basically from the airport and we split a double cheeseburger and some fries and their greens house salad. And it was the absolute most perfect lunch ever. So freaking good. And honestly, pretty much by the time we were done eating there and maybe doing like one or two errands, it was time to pick up the kids. And I got to see my niece and nephew. And it was so amazing because the last time that I visited and we went to pick them up at daycare when I got into town, they didn't really remember me. Like, you know, I just feel as though they've developed even more since I was last there in November. And they're, you know, beginning to recognize faces and family members and get excited about that type of stuff and we went to pick them up and they had no hesitation Sloan the little girl came right up to me and they're both saying Emmy so clearly now we just decided that was the easiest nickname for me um Auntie M but really like Aunt Emmy and they both are saying it in their little voices and it's just the freaking cutest thing in the whole universe. So anyway, so that was Thursday. And then Friday, uh, my sister had off of work as well. So we got up and we took the kids to daycare. I was up very, very early for me. Not used to that. I will also comment on that when you hear Megan and I talking and she talks about her schedule. And once we dropped them off, we went to a pastry shop and got, uh, what did we get? I got an everything bagel. Allie got an everything pumpernickel bagel she got the last one she's a bitch it was better than mine um we also got a really beautiful like fine super fine sugar donut to share and then a cinnamon roll to just like kind of bring home for the weekend and try later so that was a really awesome start to the day and other than that it was a pretty chill Friday I had a little bit of work to do while I was there and then we got massages at Soho House at like 1 30 that day and they were deep tissue one hour massages they were I mean Ali said hers was amazing mine was also amazing and I was so tired again from waking up at such an earlier time that I usually do that I think I almost fell asleep like three or four times during the massage and I was trying to not do that because I have a tendency to do that and I just feel like not that it's rude to the masseuse but 
it's startling because I'll startle myself awake and kind of like ruin the vibe. Um, after we were done with our massages, we went up a couple levels in Soho House and had a snack and I got an espresso martini. My sister did not get an espresso martini and we kind of just like talked about life and eavesdropped on other people's conversations right near us, which is my favorite thing in the world to do. And I had a lot of small nutritional wins when I was in Chicago, you guys. And I just kind of want to speak to that for a second and just say that my trips post that like predate 2019 to Chicago, those are so different than the trips that I take now. And obviously the biggest factor that's changed is that my sister has twins and kids do change everything. So it's just been an interesting kind of adjustment, I think, for my sister and I to get used to how it looks and sounds and feels when I go visit her. You know, we used to like eat out for every meal and go shopping and we weren't adhering to some sort of strict schedule. And we, you know, she definitely had a lot more energy and all of that. And now it's like, you know, everything evolves, revolves around the kids. So it's just very different. And plus, I'm also in a different spot in my life just as much as she is. So I say all this because, like I said, I mean, you go to Chicago to eat and go to amazing places. It has incredible restaurants and incredible food. This trip, we ate every meal at home, I think. At least I know for dinner. I mean, like we got those pastries and, and we went to Asheville. But other than that, every other meal that we ate was at home. And that worked out really well for me because I am in this calorie deficit and I have these goals that you'll hear Meg talk about. And I'm working so hard toward them. Um, but it can be really, really hard to balance. And it can be really trying when you are tempted with stuff. So for example, when Allie and I went up to Soho House after and got a snack and a drink, um, she didn't get a drink, but she did order a plate of chocolate chip cookies. And they were three pretty hefty sized chocolate chip cookies that were warm right out of the oven, which is like my kryptonite. And I had half of one and that it was good and I guess I was satisfied but at the same time I let it get to me for a second and I got really upset and was like god this is so fucking hard like it's just so hard to continue to make better for you decisions when they're not what you want to do in the moment and you know that day I had also had a bagel for breakfast and I had half of a donut and I had the espresso martini so I was like really indulging it's not like I was restricting myself in in those terms that day and when Allie and I were talking about what to do for dinner on uh, Friday night we were gonna just do pizza because that's easy and the kids love pizza and there's not a lot of thought that has to go into that you know and I fucking love pizza but I knew that because I had kind of done whatever the fuck I wanted throughout the day that the best way to set myself up for success would be to eat at home. And I hated having to admit that. I hated to that I I hated that that is a decision that I had to make, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm not very articulate today. I'm I, I don't know why. I guess I'm just tired. <laughs> um anyway, long story short, I was like, you know what? Why don't I cook for the kids and for you? Like 
I never really have done that before. And I do cook all the time at home and I have some like really good recipes up my sleeves. So I made this one recipe by Brock Your Body. I love her. I love her recipes. They're so simple. They're just so simple and so flavorful. And that is 1000% my genre in the kitchen. I want it to be very simple, but I want it to be incredibly flavorful. And I've been making her teriyaki chicken meatballs for a good year, maybe longer. They're a staple in our home and they're definitely on rotation a lot. And my sister was like, yes, perfect. The kids love meatballs. So I made those. I made really yummy roasted broccoli. I just heated up some white rice and it was perfect. And I was able to stay with my calorie ranges and hit my protein goals by doing that, which is not something I would have been able to do if I had gone all out and had pizza that night. And the most rewarding thing is that the kids loved that meal. They loved it. Jack is such a good eater. He's a better eater than Sloan. You know, it is what it is. But he loved it and ate all of his little helping. And then as some of you might have seen, he sat in my lap and was like eating straight out of my bowl. And it made me realize that I really do find so much joy in cooking for other people. Like, I don't, I think it's always been in me, but I've just never really had the opportunities. I've always been the host. Like I am the host out of all of my friends. I want to have people over. I want to cook for them or like at least do, you know, everyone brings something, everyone participates sort of a thing. But it wasn't until I moved in with Zach and was cooking for two people regularly that I realized how much it impacts me whether or not someone enjoys the food that I make and how much I love creating it and like definitely how hard I am on myself when a recipe doesn't turn out exactly right but that's like a story for another day but I really do express love by cooking for people and watching them enjoy my food so all in all, it was a great decision that I made on Friday night for a number of reasons, but I just kind of wanted to speak to how stuff you're going to hear Meg talk about, you know, I was dealing with in real time over the weekend. So anyway, Saturday, we um, got up. It was super cold and super rainy outside. My sister actually let me sleep in. Like she got up when the kids got up and she let me sleep in until like I think I was up at like 8.30 or 9, maybe. Yeah, I think like 9 o'clock. That was really, really, really lovely of her. And I, I we kind of just, I don't even know. It's like weekend days with kids are so weird. Like They're like a vortex. Like they feel so long, but then suddenly it's the end of the day and you don't even really know how you got the time to pass. But it's time for bed. You know, we definitely played with all their toys and that was really fun. And I made cheesy eggs for both of them. And and then they went down for their naps and that's kind of how we spent the morning. And then once they were up from their naps, we took them to a playground that was like right nearby, played with them for a while. They're just getting so active and it's just so cute. I think they went down the slide at least like 10 times each, just cannot tire them out. And then we loaded them into the car to go on an adventure to buy them a new kitchen playset that my sister had found someone selling on Facebook Marketplace. And we also wanted to hit Target. And when we were driving, <laughs> when we were driving to get the kitchen playset, Sloan 
was kind of acting she was like kind of whiny and she's not usually and my sister could tell from the front seat that she didn't feel awesome but like she couldn't she couldn't make out exactly what was wrong and I just so happened to be looking at Sloan when this happened but literally she just projectile vomited (laughs) everywhere like she literally projectile vomited all over herself I've never seen anything like that it was like exorcist shit it it was like a spout was turned on and it just came out with no effort and it was cheesy egg vomit so that was really gross and I have a tendency to be super reactive and I have obviously really big reactions I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to anyone so I'm I've been really trying to work on that especially when I do have time around my niece and nephew because I know that the worst thing you can be as a mom is too reactive because the children feed off your energy so I reacted for a split second and then I was immediately climbing in the back wiping her down helping out um trying not to gag because of the cheesy egg vomit my sister had to pull over luckily she had to change of clothes in the car like we got it handled and my sister looked at me after and she was like you did so good like you were amazing I can't believe how much you didn't react like that was awesome and then we went to target with them and that was super fun in its own right just like putting them in the carts and pushing them around and pointing everything out to them and then both of them got tired of being in the carts and they wanted to get out and push the carts and they did really well I mean it was just a really good day like I'm running out of time because I want to get into the Megmo stuff so I'll kind of stop there but all in all it was such a great trip and you know, I wrote this in an Instagram caption on Sunday, but I really mean that the time that I get to spend with them is truly invaluable, especially as someone who wants to be a mom in the near future and hopes that she can be. I'm getting all of this hands-on practice and these experiences that, you know, like I have friends who have kids, but they're not my sisters. I'm not related to them. And I so it's just different and like my sister trusts me so much that when I am around them she's like completely hands-off like she trusts my instincts she lets me handle things and I really feel like as much of as much as many things have I've heard about motherhood is that no one is ever ready for it you can't really be prepared it's all like an instinctual thing and more than that we're all learning as we go and that I'm getting to learn a little ahead of time is just so so amazing and I'm so appreciative of it on Sunday I got home and basically when I landed we went immediately to the Apple store because I made an appointment for my laptop because the battery is a piece of shit it's not holding charge and um Uh, I'm not even going to get into that. It's fine. I'll get it figured out. All good. And then we stayed in the rest of Sunday. I had big plans of like wanting to go out um, and have like a fun dinner with my husband. But once I sat down on the couch, I was like, no, I'm good. So we ordered in sushi. It made me fart really bad. It wasn't that great, but it was good enough. And that was the weekend. So let's quickly go over what I've been reading and watching lately. 
Okay, so as you guys know, I'm on a bit of a reading tear and it feels absolutely fantastic. I have not been like this since I was a kid. I mean, I was such a bookworm and then high school happened. And besides the Harry Potter books, I got very caught up in being a teenager and all the distractions that come with that. And then after that, it was college. And then after college, it was navigating my 20s. And after that, it was, (laughs) I don't know, getting into my 30s and still not really just being so swept up in all of the streaming shit that all I did was watch TV. So I started off this year just feeling really good about the fact that I actually read nine books last year, which was a feat for me. And I came into 2023 wanting to read way more. And I have already read three books this year, and it's the first month of the year. So I'm feeling really awesome about that. And I posed this question on my That's What E Said podcast Instagram page to you guys earlier this week, but I asked if I were to start a book of the month club or a group read or something like that, I don't want to say book club because I just feel like that's a much bigger idea than, than I'm willing to commit to. But if I were to start something like that and utilize the private private Facebook page that I made for the That's What E Said podcast is that something you guys would be interested in? And the majority of people said yes. So I'm trying to figure out how that can go. I also was told by a listener that you can start groups on Goodreads, which is the app that I use to track what I'm reading, what I want to read, what I've read, all of that. So I'm just gonna kind of think it through a little bit more. I'm already so high on the idea of referring to it as that's what E read. I mean, come on, like how good is that? But I'm also not out here trying to be the next bad on paper podcast. Like I'm very, very new to the bookstagram world. I am not a follower in that sense. So I doubt that I'm going to get balls deep in it. But all I know is that I'm really enjoying reading and it really stimulates me intellectually. And so what could be more stimulating than inviting you guys to read along with me and then us talk about it. So let me think on that. Um, If you have any thoughts, please feel free to reach out to me and tell me those thoughts. So I finished the office book on my flight's to and from Chicago. That was easy. I didn't really have that much left. And then I ordered The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. I ordered that book while I was in Chicago. So it got delivered while I was away. So when I got back on Sunday, it was here. And the reason that I chose The Villa is is because it is the book of the month on the Bad on Paper podcast. And Becca had made it sound so good and very, very intriguing. And also I was like, you know what, Emma, maybe like be a team player for once and join in on this and try and be a part of something. So I wanted to get it and read it as quickly as I could because I think it's probably going to be that much more enjoyable to hear their thoughts on it on their episode this week. And you know, my episodes go up on Thursday, so they've probably already talked all about it on Wednesday and I've listened to it. But just like without having heard any of that yet, I have to say that I didn't love it. I liked it. It was fine. 
I don't think it was amazing by any means. And I think a really, really interesting thing with getting back into reading so much and also kind of opening my own little world to uh, different, uh, you know, bookstagrams, if you will, is seeing what people are into and then deciding whether or not I'm into the same things. And I have like, a lot of thoughts on this that I'm going to write about in this week's newsletter. So if you're not signed up for that, that link to subscribe to my weekly newsletter will be in the show notes. But you also can always go to emmasthing.com backslash subscribe to sign up. So I don't want to give like too much away of what I'm thinking about in terms of what I just said. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm realizing... I mean, not that I should be surprised, but I don't think that I love the the average thriller mystery book like the popular ones. Um, so anyway, more on that later. But I would give the villa three stars. I mean, there would there w- were good parts of it, but all in all, I just felt kind of contrived, and I didn't love. I didn't love the dialogue. Um, you're not supposed to like one of the characters, the best friend. There was some excerpt in it that was like a podcast transcript. And literally just like reading the podcast transcript made me want to gouge my eyes out. Like the way that uh, these characters who hosted the podcast talked was, oh my God, it was so horrible. <laughs> I hated it. Um But yeah, I would give it three stars. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, you have to read it. It's totally up to you. But I would describe it as like kind of just a weird mix of like the past, the present, kind of a thriller, kind of a murder mystery, kind of a frenemy situation, definitely some commentary on women and how we function and what propels us in life when what holds us back just just stuff like that so and then what I'm thinking about reading next is Carrie Soto is back by Taylor Jenkins read read no Taylor Jenkins read she is the same person who wrote the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo which I absolutely was fucking obsessed with like one of the best books I've read in a really long time. And I've heard that Carrie Soto is back is incredible. So if I do start this group read thing, that's probably going to be the first book. So just keep that in mind and keep your eyes peeled. As for what I watched in the past week, not a lot. So my sister and I put on Free Guy on either Friday, yeah, on Friday night. Um, And that is starring... Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jodie Comer and it was fucking awesome <laughs> like it was so good you guys I had no idea what the plot was I I knew absolutely nothing going into it and it is just so different and was very clever and I just loved the storytelling and obviously the script writing I mean Ryan Reynolds you know, I was very on the fence about him for a long time, but I've realized that he's hard not to love. And especially after I watched Welcome to Wrexham, I have this newfound 
respect and admiration for him just as a person. I just think he's really stellar. And the movie was fantastic. It's basically about a video game and there's AI involved and kind of like what happens when AI becomes real and all of the sort of consequences of that I suppose and there's like stories happening within the game and there's stories happening outside of the game in real life and usually I steer very very far away from any movies having to do with like sci-fi and AI and all that stuff I'm not into it but this is great it was hilarious it was heartfelt super good can't recommend it enough and then the only other thing really that I watched was I totally got sucked into all of the promotions when we were watching the Cowboys game on Sunday night on Fox I got sucked into the promotions for this new series called The Accused and it actually is a British series it was originally a British TV series that we have adapted kind of like The Office but like not kind of like The Office at all because they're two completely different shows so this has been done in the UK already and I don't know if the storylines are the exact same or it's just the premise but basically it's like you know it's like another kind of like law and order type of show it's like every single week there's a new case and someone's accused and you basically find out uh, like why they're accused and if they're going to be guilty or innocent and I just I don't know I just got really excited about watching it and uh, insisted that we stay up and watch it after the game and it was pretty bad (laughs) um It has so much potential and now I really want to watch the British one because I feel like the acting is probably a lot better. But yeah, the first episode, Michael Chiklis is in it and he's like a big television star guy. And I just, I just thought that the acting was so weak and I hated the script writing. I just hated it. Like I felt like it could have given us so much more and it didn't. And there wasn't enough dialogue and I'm very much a dialogue girl and so that really bothered me and just kind of how the whole situation was handled I will say just a heads up that um, it is about it's essentially about like a school shooting so you know if that's going to really upset you or if that's something that you can't handle or you don't want to handle definitely don't watch the first episode but yeah I don't know if I'll keep up with it in real time I just, I wasn't super blown away, but like I said, it has inspired me to want to watch the British version and see if it's any better, so I will report on that next episode. Okay, guys, I told you this is going to be a long one. I really tried to rush through that intro. Like, I know it doesn't seem like it, but I'm telling you, that was me being, like, very short-winded, so now I present to you the main crux, I guess, of today's episode, which is me sitting down with my personal trainer and nutritionist of going on four years. Her name is Meg Morat. She is based in Florida and she is a gem and she is so smart and she's so good at what she does. And I wanted to give her a platform to, uh, you know, talk to us about all things fitness and diet. And you guys sent in a bunch of questions to ask her. And 
I mean, honestly, I feel like you should grab a notebook and a pen to take notes during all of this because there's like so much good stuff here. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy and don't forget to follow me on That's What He Said, the podcast on Instagram and also Emma's thing and check the show notes for any other details, especially about Meg and enjoy the show. Okay, guys. So we are here with my uh, trainer extraordinaire, Meg Mo. Say hi, Meg. Hi, guys. Good morning, <laughs> afternoon, evening, whatever time yeah. it is. Yeah, whenever you listen to this. <laughs> Meg, I am so excited to have you on for a multitude of reasons. Um, and I feel like people are probably really excited as well just to hear straight from the mouth of a personal trainer and nutritionist. Um, but I want to kind of like, before we get into things, I sort of just want you to introduce yourself, like tell us your backstory, like where you grew up, how you got to Florida, um, how you even got into the profession that you're in and all of that. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, in the most nutshell way I can explain it, I grew up in Maryland, uh, right outside of Annapolis. I had the best childhood, no complaints. And uh, yeah, I grew up there, went to college there. I actually have a degree in graphic design that I no longer use. After I graduated college, um, I got a job in the field a few years after, and I'll be honest, I hated it. Um, I felt like I never saw the light of day. I hated being at a desk all day and I just didn't feel passionate about it anymore. Um, and I've always been into fitness and training. I grew up figure skating. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That makes so much sense. Right. Yeah. So training <laughs> has always been a, a big part of my life and waking up early and, you know, just getting shit done. So I think figure skating as I grew up, gave me a lot of structure in that aspect. Um, and I always prioritized like movement. So, um, after college, I was still in Maryland. I got into bodybuilding and did a lot of bikini competitions. To be honest, I did it more for fun. And, um, there was definitely a vanity aspect of it, which I learned later in life that it wasn't really fulfilling. Um, did bikini competitions for probably a run of like five to six years in my twenties, um, wow. got out of that and just never, I never stopped training. I never lost my passion for training. It's just my purpose for doing it. And my goals changed a lot through my seasons of life. And I started studying for my NASA personal training certification, got that. And I, at the same time, I got laid off from my graphic design job and I kind of took that as a sign to start doing more of what I love because I was absolutely miserable. And I found that whenever I was at the gym or, you know, around my people at the gym, that was like my happy place. And I'm like, why can't I make this a bigger part of my life? So that was wow. my, my goal. And I wanted it. I wanted to make it a bigger part of other people's lives too, because I knew how much joy it brought me and confidence. So, um, I actually got a job in Baltimore at Lululemon, worked at Whole Foods on the weekends just to, you know. <laughs> Did I know this either? Like what? Make that money. Um, I did not know these yeah. things. So, and I trained on the side, um, some online, some in person. I was basically working 24 seven, but I was not miserable anymore. I finally 
you know, had enough of a client base to quit my other jobs. And I started my LLC basically from the ground um, and built it up. It was terrifying at first, but I knew that I was doing what I was meant to do. Um, I woke up like excited to work every day. Um, and just being around people in the gym setting is, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's like, it's awesome seeing people working on themselves. Like no one's perfect. We all have our issues. Like we all have a different reason for going to the gym and whatever it is for you, it's right for you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I came to visit my dad. Well, my dad moved to Florida in 2016. I was still living in Baltimore city doing my thing. Um, and I came down to visit him for the holidays. I think I came down at the end of November, like right before Thanksgiving. And I bought, I just got a one-way ticket because I wasn't sure how long I was going to stay. I knew I was going to be here for November and December. I didn't leave Florida until the end of March. And what? Yeah, only because I had to go back to go to the Arnold, the sports festival. Oh my God. That's the only reason I went back home. And then I got back home and well, back up. When I was down (laughs) here, I kind of realized how much I was missing out on. I was able to be outside all the time. Um, I've always loved paddleboarding and I could do that down here in so many places. Like you're pretty limited um, in Baltimore and it's not the, the, you know, the prettiest place to paddleboard. So and there's always a chance of like, you know, dead bodies floating around. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. Um, <laughs> so I paddleboarded down here. I was outside all the time. I, 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 don't, I can't say I've ever been a super unhappy person, but I think I realized how happy I could be. Right. Um, so uh, I got back home and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. So I packed all my shit up, you know, said my goodbyes. It was kind of a surprise, I'm sure, to a lot of people. But I just, I was like, you know, I've been here at the time. I'd been there for 27 years. I was like, why would I spend my life in one spot and not, you know, give a chance to a place that I obviously was in love with by just being there so short term? Right. um, yeah, I packed my stuff up. I hired like a moving company for all my big stuff, fit as much shit in my car as I could. And that August I drove to, from Baltimore to, I think it's Lorton, Virginia, um, to catch the auto train, which is an Amtrak train that carries your car. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So I, boarded the train at three and then I got to Florida at nine o'clock the next day got my car drove to my dad's and I have been here since obviously I visited yeah so and during the last five years that I've been here I feel like I've just built an entirely different life um I have the best friends down here I I can't even put into words how much they all mean to me and just my life here is just it's fucking awesome. So I do the same stuff down here. Um, I do have a couple in-person clients and of course all the kids on Sundays at my gym. But other than that, everything is online. So living the dream. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's back up. I'm going to try and go in like chronological order, but yeah. 
figure skating did you I mean like were you really good did you do competitions like what was that like so I did I was on a theater on ice team and travel around the country during the summer like when we all had off school and um the year I quit uh of course they went to Paris so, you know, of I didn't, go but no, I had a ton of fun doing that growing up. I wouldn't say that I was at, in any way at, at like some kind of professional level for my age. I was really good, but it was, I don't think it was something that I knew I was going to do uh, a, to make a living or B for my entire life, just because I kind of wanted to explore other things. And right. um, I stopped so that I could go to college, which at the time was very important to me. And I had obviously had the time of my life in college, don't we all? But it gave me, like I said, it gave me so much structure and really helped me to realize how important, you know, moving is and moving with people too. Now, when you, when you were figure skating, I mean, I don't know like anything about it. So when you were figure skating, did you also like train? Like, did you work out? Like, when did you, when did you start like, going to the gym to like lift, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, my dad actually, and I went and lifted when I was younger. So that was kind of like my, my training. He knew what he, he knew what he was doing. I didn't at the time, but over time, you know, you, you get the hang of things, but outside of that, a lot of my training was on the ice. I was skating a lot. Yeah. Um, like waking up before school every day, well, not every day, but like a few days a week, just like I do now with my workouts, you know? Right. Um, waking up and going to skate and everything like that. So yeah, it just, it set the foundation of like the structure that I have now, which is crazy. Cause it's been, I don't know, like how old am I? It's been a long ass time we'll just say that <laughs> since I skated. So, but wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, okay. So then, you know, you did the graphic design thing and you were like, this sucks. I, this is not what I want my life and career to be. Mm-hmm. Um, So when you started to focus on like the whole, like uh, applying for your, what is it? NASM? Yeah. Okay. What does that stand for? I think it's, you know what? I I don't even know. Okay. (laughs) That's terrible, right? No, it's not, but I mean, I swear. I think it's national Academy of sports and medicine. No, not medicine. medicine. Sports and movement. I don't know. Um, we'll just make it up. And you started working at Lululemon and whole foods. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that like, that was a while ago and like, obviously things have changed, but yeah, can you give any insight as to how, what was it like working at Lululemon and was the interview process weird or I, that, this is just like a totally random question. I'm just yes. super curious. So I will say they treated us very well. Um, and they did it at Whole Foods too, but Lululemon, the interview process was interesting. They're definitely looking out for, or looking for very particular people. Mm-hmm. They want people who are not afraid to talk and they want people who are open-minded, especially it's every piece of clothing, clothing in that store has a story behind it. And I guarantee if you ask someone, an employee in there, they're called educators, um, about any particular piece, they will they could write you a novel on it. Oh my God. The training in there is intense, but it's awesome. Um, and they're, they're very big on feedback. If you do something that is not in alignment with them, you will get feedback. It's not criticism. It's feedback. It can feel like (laughs) criticism sometimes, 
but it'll give you thicker skin. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, but obviously retail is not the greatest in my opinion. Some people love it, but I knew, I knew that was something I probably didn't want to do long-term. So, and at the time I was in such a transitional period of my life, I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, long-term. I just knew I enjoyed training, but I was like, you know, will I be able to make a career out of this? But as I got to do it more, I realized, yeah, like it's not, can I, it's I'm, I'm going to. So, but yeah, that's, um, and I have to ask, do you shop at Lululemon anymore? I, I know that you have this ongoing partnership with Buff Bunny, so maybe not, but do you still own any of the pieces? Do you still like their, their gear? Yes. There's stuff. I still have things that I bought from when I worked there back in probably 2014 and 15. Wow. Um, it is, it's expensive, but it's worth the investment. If you want something that's going to last, yeah. do I shop there anymore? No. And that's just because I honestly love my buff bunny stuff and I found my staples mm-hmm. and I just, for me, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a pair of leggings. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, it's, is it worth it? Yes. But it's like, do I need them? No. Right. You know? So, um, I'd rather spend a hundred dollars and like go somewhere or something, but I don't need a hundred dollar leggings. When I worked there, it was a lot more, I don't know. I don't want to say manageable, but like it made sense because we got a discount, you know? Right. What was the discount by the way? I don't know if I'm allowed to share that. Am I? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll just go with it's it's pretty fucking good. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to get in trouble, but no, 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 no. So fair. Good. You could you could probably Google it. Okay. I might do that. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'll so text curious. You after we're done and let you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and you can do with that what you will. Okay. So I'm going to jump back a little bit from that. Um, and you don't have to like go on about this if you don't want to, but I just think, you know, like how, how often do you get to talk to someone who actually did bikini competitions? I mean, that's like such a rare chance to talk to someone who did that and kind of get like their take on it and their insight. And you sort of mentioned how you didn't realize until years later, the vanity aspect of it and how maybe that wasn't like awesome for you specifically. So do you want to speak to that just a little bit and kind of give all of us everyday people some insight? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a very open book. So bikini competitions uh, are not healthy, um, in my opinion. Um, and in my experience too. So I'm already a lean person. Um, I'm a very small person. And if you could imagine me smaller, it it's just, I can't. I, yeah, it was. <laughs> and like, I say, I say that because you guys, I don't know if I, sh- I guess I should have said this at the top of the episode, but Meg came to our wedding and I already knew that she was small, but I met her and I was like, Oh my God, she's such a tiny person, like not in a bad way, but you're just, you're so petite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very short and just like tiny. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't in the best spot when I started competing body image wise. And I think that it just like fed into that. So, I, you know, competing like show day and everything is a a fucking blast. It's a blast. You get all dolled up and like, 
Um, the spray tan, spray tan is interesting, but you get all done, <laughs> you're all sparkly, you get your makeup done. And for me, I didn't really grow up, you know, very girly. Um, so that kind of stuff is like novelty to me. Like it's, you know, so, but getting ready for the show, you definitely feel very depleted all the time. You're kind of just living in this like la la land. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I realized that I was doing it for more of a, from a vanity standpoint, more than a more purpose-filled standpoint. Um, Because I would notice, you know, I, it took a lot away from my quality of life. I am not the kind of person who turns down social activity. I love being around people. I like going out and having fun. And I found that it just took away from that whole experience. Um, and is that because you had to be so strict about your diet and exercise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would go out with my friends and all I could think about was like, you know, is this going to fuck up my macros? Like, right. you know, whereas these days I have a good enough balance where I typically go out on the weekends, eat and drink as I please. And, you know, I'm aware of it. I have a good time. There are absolutely times when I drink too much. Um, (laughs) you're, you're human after all. Right. Exactly. Um, and if I would have done some of the things I do these days back then, I would have just, I don't, I would have imploded. I don't even know what would have happened, but your entire life revolves around your workouts, your cardio and your diet, which of course people will tell you when you compete, that's how it's, that's how it's going to be. Um, and especially over these past few years, I've kind of learned that life is way too short to hyper-focus on those things out of the purpose of showing off your body, right? The people in your life don't love you and, you know, want to be around you because you are a certain body fat percentage. And, uh, yeah, it just, towards the end of my competing career, I kind of realized how much I was missing out on. And I was just like, you know what? It stops here. Um, I'm done missing out. I'm tired of going out with my friends and not being able to be present with them. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to me. Like, fuck this. So, um, competing is not for everyone. And I will say it served its purpose for me because obviously it taught me a lot. Right. Um, it taught me a hell of a lot of discipline too. So, and I've, de- I definitely carry that with me these days too. Like I still, I don't miss workouts, obviously, unless I'm sick or I'm, you know, um, feeling super, you know, under recovered, but other than that, like I will fit my workouts in and, um, yeah, I still track my calories, and my protein, and I am adamant about that. Even with my weekends out, I balance things out. There are definitely occasions where I, I don't balance things out. Cause you know, sometimes two drinks turns into five and <laughs> turns into pizza and you know, the next day you, gotta, you gotta go get brunch. Cause you're like really fucking hungover. So, yeah. Yes. And being um, vertical is so painful unless you have like eggs and stuff. <laughs> right. Like, right. Oh so, my God. Yeah. But life is a lot better now. Um, and I still am getting stronger, enjoying my workouts. Like I never lost, thank God. I never lost my passion for, for working out. Um, but yeah, do you have any like specific questions about 
the bikini competitions? Cause it's like, there's so much that goes into it. No, no, I don't. I just, that was perfect. I just kind of wanted you to give what, what you just gave. It was great. Um, no, I want to move in more to what you actually do. And I want to give people who are listening an idea of how, training with you goes. So I guess my first question in terms of all of that is when you started personally training, was it, has it always been very heavily virtual or was it more in person and then moved to virtual? Like how did that all kind of unfold? I would kind of say it's bounced back and forth, but heavy on the virtual. When I moved down here, I worked in a gym and I had some like in-person clients, but the bulk of everything was online. Um, because a, I feel like I can reach more people online and B I actually, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like it's a much more tailored and personal approach when you do nutrition online with people, because you can't sit down every day with someone or like once a week and talk about their nutrition, like go over everything because who has time for that these days? I think online is definitely, I love training people in person, but I think online is a lot more feasible for the average person these days, like the average busy person. Obviously there are some people who do benefit more from, especially in-person training, um, people who are new to lifting, who need a lot of, you know, feedback when it comes to their form. Obviously I always offer form assessments to my online clients. If they send me a video, happy to help, but it's, there's a difference when you have someone with you in person and some people's motivation styles, they need someone to show up at the gym and meet them there. So they have accountability to go. Right. Right. So interestingly enough, one of the first questions that I was going to ask you that, um, I'm kind of, I'm going to kind of sprinkle in listener questions throughout. Like we don't yeah, need to course. have like a designated Q and a section, but just depending on what we're talking about, and this is the perfect time. So this one person wrote it and said, how can a virtual trainer truly keep me accountable? And I know that you're going to have a lot of different aspects to this answer. So yeah. I guess like kind of walk the audience through how, virtual training works with you and how you, uh, you know, I guess how you encourage the accountability. Yeah. So I always remind, well, I try to remind most clients if they need it, you know, I can make the best plan in the world, but it's always up to the client to execute. And the weekly check-ins are a big help when it comes to that because you know, you're going to be checking in with someone every single week on the same day, reporting to them. Here's what I accomplished this week. Here's what I need to work on. And those things that you need to work on can be the focus for the next week while keeping the things you did good consistent. And that's how you build those habits. And I think once people get the hang of that, they realize how good they can feel once they have, you know, accomplish those things or have those things under their belt and start to build those habits. So they just become part of their life. But to be honest, some people are not, I wouldn't suggest online training for some people who, you know, need someone to show up at the gym so that they show up. But yeah. And I, I think I'm, as you know, like I'm available to my clients throughout the week. Mm -hmm. So outside of their check-in days, they're always welcome to email me if they need extra support. And I always 
get back to people within 24 hours, unless it's the weekend weekends. I try to, you know, I try to set those boundaries for myself to give myself the weekend just to decompress and, you know, um, unplug, but yeah, I, it's just, I, like I said, I can make the perfect plan, but you have to keep in mind, you have to execute it. And obviously I'm always there to not handhold, but just be an encouragement and be a source of support and sometimes reality for people, as you know. So, oh, yeah, I, I mean, what's, what, <laughs> how do you feel as a client that I hold you accountable? Is it the check-ins? Like, to feel like I'm watching, not that I want people to feel like I'm watching them. Cause you know, like you can't get in trouble with me. Right. It's, always, it's not, it's not, you did this wrong. It's just, what can you do better? Right. You know? Right. I never want my clients to think they're doing things wrong because they're not. Um, you know, when there's, there's, like I said, there's always things that you can work on. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, I, I agree with you. I think that there are types of people who just cannot be held accountable unless you are doing it physically in person with them. But I think that for the self-motivated type of person, which I definitely am. And I've kind of always been like that. And I know a lot of people who are the same as me. Um, online personal training is incredible because you already have that self-motivation. So you know what you're in it for. And, you know, I guess, I guess with self-motivation too um, comes a bit of stubbornness in the sense of like, I don't think that I would do well with the personal trainer in person because I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> We're all same. Um, <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. So I think that mixed with also like my schedule is so sporadic. And I was yeah. just talking about this, like, I think on last episode or I don't remember, but I don't necessarily have a daily routine. And I go very much based off of how I'm feeling, like literally how my body feels, how my mind feels, what the day is going to be like. So I work out at different times. I don't like being held to the, I don't like having my feet held to the fire in terms of, oh, I have my personal training at 1 PM today. Like that doesn't work for me. So I think that, and then also, yes, checking in with you, that is the most, uh, driving factor, I guess, of having an online personal trainer. Like, you know, that come Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day that you and Meg decide is going to be your check-in day, you know, that you have to give her a full report and you are paying her money and you don't want to be a piece of shit. Like you don't want to lie. So it's like, you kind of have to face yourself and face your trainer every week by sending this check-in of like how the week went. Did you stay within your calorie range? Did you hit your protein goals? Did you get your workouts in? Did you get your cardio? Like all this stuff. So that's looming over you, but not in a negative way. It's like, you want to show up for yourself and you want to be able to say, oh my God, I crushed this week because it feels so fucking good to say that. And I would say, yeah, like I, I think more so when we first started, like knowing that you were following me and like, you know, seeing like, if I posted, like, I don't know, like just like not maybe the healthiest choices was a little bit of 
um, that kind of helped in terms of accountability, but it's <laughs> like, I don't really think like that anymore. Um, and it, it's not like, it's not like if I posted drinking, you were like, ah, 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 like that yeah, would be horrifying. I like I wouldn't work <laughs> with you. So yeah, I, I think that there's so much, f- it's weird. Like there's, I think that training with someone virtually, it's a perfect marriage between having structure, but having freedom. Yeah. Um, and I try, that's something I try to make known to all of my clients is that, cause some of them they'll come to me with their check-ins. They'll be like, I had a bad week. Like I ate this and that. And I'm like, that's not a bad week. You know, I try to, my goal is to help people feel and obviously there's there's a vanity aspect to feel and look their best while not robbing them of their quality of life do you have to make sacrifices at times absolutely that goes for anything that you want in life though Um, right but it shouldn't be to the point where you feel like you're not able to live your life like go out and be social like have a few drinks during the week or like on the weekend whatever have a food that you enjoy that maybe you think is, or society deems is like unhealthy or bad or off limits because life, first of all, life's too short. Second of all, you want to share that time and that food with those people or by yourself, whatever. And, uh, I just, I want people to know that you can strike that balance. Is it going to take work? Yes. Is it going to take self-awareness and accountability? Absolutely. But I'm also here to help teach you tactics and tools that you can carry with you for your life so that you can fit, you know, drinks and food and whatever miss workouts like into your life and it'll be okay. Like not all progress is lost. So, and I mean, maintaining your results is probably one of the hardest things because you have to keep up with those habits that you did to lose the weight or gain the weight or gain the muscle, which is why that process needs to be done in the most sustainable way possible. So, yeah. Yeah. With that, I, I kind of just like, I guess I want to talk about what you offer to a prospective client. So like people can sign up with you and only get, they just want a workout plan from you. People can sign up with you and also they want a workout plan. Plus they want a kind of nutrition plan. Some people don't feel like they need the check-in. Um, so I, I, I mean, is that right? Am I getting that right? So workouts without check-ins totally fine with me. I do not do nutrition coaching without check-ins just because you don't know how you cannot tell off the bat how someone's body is going to respond to a certain intake or protocol. I'm not just going to give someone macros or calories and send them on their merry way. Because chances are over the course of like a few weeks or a few months or, you know, six months, whatever, that is going to need to be adjusted based on tons of different variables. So that's not something that I do. I'm not, you know, a calorie or macro calculator. And I don't re- recommend those anyway, because there's so many things that they don't take into consideration. So yeah, nutrition coaching is always with weekly check-ins. Occasionally I will do bi-weekly check-ins, especially, um, 
with people who have like a little less time on their hands or need a little more flexibility with their finances. Um, but yeah, one-on-one and nutrition coaching is always, um, they, they always have weekly check-ins, but workouts, you can get a workout plan from, from me and go on your merry way. And obviously if you have questions about it, I tell people, please email me. If you need form help, send me a video. Um, obviously my client's safety is very important to me. And I also want to make sure they're getting the most out of their workouts and they're not going to do that if their form is not correct. So, right. You know, if there's ever any doubt, I'm like, record yourself if possible and send me a video or describe as best you can. What yeah. You're struggling with, so. And guys, I've, I mean, I've done that multiple yeah. times throughout the time that I've been working with Meg. Like I've literally set the camera up and done some exercise that she has assigned to me. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you want to bring your arms here or, you know, set yeah. your hips back here and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like she, I would say you really do try and be as on demand as you possibly can without, um, you know, being like a slave to your work, so yeah. to speak. But one thing that I wanted to go back to that you kind of just mentioned, like with the whole nutrition thing and how you may, you know, months down the line, you may need to adjust and all of that. Like, I know that it varies from person to person, but what, like in your experience, if, if someone is truly putting the work in, what would you say, what is like your tell if you, if you feel as though whatever you assign them is maybe not the right thing and you have to make some tweaks. You mean like intake wise or cardio or I guess really like all of it. Like, how do you, I mean, I guess that's really getting into like the science behind what you do, but it's it's (laughs) very dependent on each person, but say a client is eating, I don't know, their, their goal is fat loss and say, I have them eating, say they were eating like 2,100 calories prior to me. I will, Mm -hmm. I'll back it up. So before a client works with me for nutrition, I have them do a dietary recall. As you know, Mm -hmm. they track for me for a week, sometimes a little bit less track for me for a week and don't change anything like eat, eat, like no one's watching you. Like as you most recently been eating, that way I can get an idea of what you, what your intake is currently. And I adjust your intake from there based on your goals. I do not drop calories super low ever. Um, and there are cases where clients are trying to lose fat and eating like a thousand calories a day. And I'm like, look, we can't focus on fat loss right now. We have to work on, um, you know, restoring your metabolic rate. And that's when we get into reverse dieting and all that stuff. I just posted about that. So if anyone wants like the full, you know, spiel on that, um, it's on my Instagram, but say someone comes to me and they're eating 2,100 calories and they want to lose a little bit of body fat. Um, I will reduce their intake. Let's say I prescribe them, you know, 1800 or 1800 to like 1850 calories a day. I always do ranges just to make it a little bit more sustainable and less restrictive and say they're eating 50 grams of protein, which as you know, is like really low. I will bump that up to maybe 60 for right now. And once they are adherent to their calorie range and protein for um, a consistent, you know, 
amount of time, say like three or four weeks, sometimes even two, if I think they're really on top of things, I will increase their protein goal. So they're getting more protein. If they're, if nothing has changed as far as measurements, um, clothes fitting photos over the course of like a month or so, sometimes three weeks or so, if nothing's changed, we'll go a little bit deeper into a cut or we Mm -hmm. will increase their cardio. It's much easier to control your intake with your actual caloric intake rather than your expenditure, because who really knows um, how much you're actually expending when you're doing cardio. So yeah, adjustments are just on a very individual basis, but typically you hit a plateau when literally nothing has changed and you've been adherent to everything and consistent over the course of, I say three or four weeks. And then we can talk about making some changes, but there's no need to change anything. And this is where people like freak out, you know, they're doing so well, like their measurements are changing, their clothes are fitting better. Um, they're obviously leaning out in photos and they're like, okay, so when do we make changes? And I'm like, we don't, we just yeah, keep going on this path. Keep, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. Right. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the nutshell version of everything. Obviously there are outside variables that matter too, like your stress, your sleep. I think sleep is probably one of the most underrated things that people don't take into consideration. Okay. So give us, give us this, like a super quick spiel about sleep. (laughs) Well, not to get super scientific in a way that, you know, everyone will understand your sleep affects your hormone levels. Um, and obviously, um, increases your hunger hormone. So it, it basically indirectly, but kind of also directly, um, impacts your hunger. And obviously when you have a lack of sleep, your training is not going to be on point. You're going to feel like shit for most of the day. And chances are you're going to be hungrier because your body needs energy. Yeah. I mean, do you have the best workouts when you're lacking in sleep? No, I like, if I'm that tired, I don't, I won't work out. Yeah. And in turn studies show you're less likely to be in motion. You're not going to get any steps in, you know, you just want to be lazy. You get done what you need to get done that day and nothing extra. And sometimes for people, fitness has to be that extra thing. Whereas most days they can get it in when they have a lack of sleep, they're less likely to get it in. So yeah, it, it, right. it affects things on so many different levels. And, yeah, and your stress and, does too, obviously it affects your cortisol. And when that raises fat loss becomes harder, building muscle becomes harder because your body is in a stressed out state. And, right. you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, when it's in a stressed out state, when that happens, usually it means there's a famine, you're going to want to eat more. So interesting, interesting. But. Um, and what, just according to you, even though you're not like a professional sleep doctor, according <laughs> to you, how many hours do you think people should be getting? This is super dependent on the person. I, in my experience with clients, some people can function wonderfully on six hours of sleep. Other people need nine. I would say a sweet, sweet spot is probably between seven and nine for most. People. Okay. Okay. So. So not that, I mean, that's what everyone says. So, okay. Yeah. And Um, uh, you know, the most important thing outside of that is getting to bed at the same hour every night and waking up between around the same hour or, you know, 
an hour to buffer no more, which can be challenging because some people during the week, like me, I wake up most days at five or before five. So on the weekends, I try not to sleep in past 6.30 or seven, even if I've like drank the night before or was out super late, just so I keep that structure. So, I literally yeah. like don't know what you just said. <laughs> like that is so not how my schedule is. And I yeah. wish that it were, I really do yeah. like, uh, anyway, we don't need to get into that. Okay. So I want to get into some like rapid fire listener questions because yeah. I know that I don't have that much time left with you. Someone wrote in and asked <laughs> what your thoughts are on weight loss medications. Obviously more specifically Ozempic, which is like the hot new injectable drug happening in Hollywood right now. Um, and then I had someone else write in asking if diets like keto and I can't think of anything else outside of keto, but like if all of the fad diets actually are sustainable. So I'm just going to kind of group those two together and let you speak to more or less the idea of shortcuts. Yeah. So if you are trying to find a shortcut, you're actually signing yourself up for a long-term cycle of like a vicious cycle of crash dieting. Um, it, at the end of the day, for most people, a caloric deficit is how you're going to lose body fat. Resistance training is recommended for, I hate this word, but that if you want to be toned, if you want to lose body fat and have muscle mass, caloric deficit, strength training, cardio in moderation, obviously, if you need it. All of those quick fixes, honestly, most of them are companies preying on people's insecurities for their money. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Immediate gratification is not gratifying when it comes to long-term sustainability and being able to maintain whatever weight you lose using those diet pills or diets. And you have to also consider that a lot of those diets will take away from your quality of life. And it's like, how long can you sustain that? Right. You know, um, they don't take into consideration like your mental health, your hormonal health, your health markers, things like that. So just don't do it. Just do it the right way. Be patient. Realize that it's when you sign up for to get healthier, I'm not even going to relate this to fat loss. If you want to get healthier, it's going to be for life. Right. And chances are you will learn how to actually enjoy the journey and realize how empowering it can be. And I'm sure you can speak on that too, after being in the gym for however many years with me now, um, and even training at home, like, and also being able to influence, you know, Zach and your friends and they see how good you feel and how good you look and what it's given you. And they're like, I want that for me. How did you do that? Right. You know? So, right. Um, um nutshell, just, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you were just saying how, first of all, I know that you like, preach this whenever you possibly can, but people make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. And the fact, yeah. the cold, hard truth of the matter that people do not want to accept is that you literally have to be in a calorie deficit, i.e. eat a little less 
to actually lose fat period. Like that's like the simplest way to put it. So you talked about being a calorie deficit for weight loss, weight loss, and then obviously, you know, resistance training and cardio, but you said cardio when needed. So what do you mean by that? So I always recommend getting a good amount of steps in per day. I personally aim for 10,000. That is absolutely not feasible for many people. And that's fine. People who have active jobs, maybe, but those who don't, you know, you're probably going to be getting closer to five or six. That's okay. Just try not to, you know, drop it into like the one or 2000. Um, but so when you're in a caloric deficit, like I said, it's better to do that from your actual nutritional intake, like your, your food intake rather than your cardio, because it's a little bit harder to measure your output when it comes to cardio and, you know, what you can more accurately measure, you can manage. So, um, I just say cardio if necessary, because maybe you want to try and approach where you eat a little bit more, but you have time to do more cardio, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, but general okay. recommendation for me, um, or for what I, what I suggest is just try to get movement in every day, whether that's going for like a 30 minute walk or getting a certain amount of steps in maybe like seven to 8,000 parking. It, it like, it's stuff that adds up like parking further away from the grocery store entrance or yeah, I always say that. Yeah. Like zigzagging through the aisles, even though you don't need anything down them, you know, like yeah. obviously it's more time, but that's um, so funny too, Meg, because yeah. <laughs> grow, growing up, my mom, she always used to park further away, mainly because like she is very nervous in the car and parking in like tight spots freaks her out. So she likes to park <laughs> far away where she oh has space. Um, but she would always, always say when we would complain, she would say it's exercise. It is. And it- And now I'm like, it really is. And also, can I just say that those shirts that say shopping is my cardio, literally go to the mall. You will be flabbergasted at the amount of steps that you take walking through the mall. It's insane. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for some people who are super new to movement and fitness and who want to, you know, lose some body fat or lose weight, whatever, however you want to say it. One of the best things you can do to start is literally go for a walk every day. That's it. Yeah. And then build habits from there. People think they they have to do so much shit all at once. Right. But no, just start simple and build that. You have to build that foundation board before you lay your bricks. So yes. Um, so that actually is a perfect segue into this listener question. Someone asked, How can I start at home? I'm so intimidated going to a gym. Totally fine. If you can get some bands and weights, if you have the funds, you could eat. I mean, you obviously you could hire me, but you could easily find <laughs> things for free online, like band workouts and whatnot. You know about the Leslie Sanso- Sansone, the walk at home videos. Oh yeah. That's Anyone free. listening who is yeah. with me during that era knows. Yeah. It's fun as shit, right? Yeah. Um, and it fucking works. Like it does. Yeah. I if lost you're like weight, sweating man. by the end of it. You're like, how in the hell? Yeah. Um, but I would say that get, get some bands. I mean, even you can even use your body weight set aside, say to start three days a week where you're going to commit to working out for half an hour or 45 minutes, or even if you have 20 minutes, cool, get it done, you know? And from there, after you do that for a few weeks, consistently think about adding something on, maybe also prior to that, you go outside for a walk you know, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It just, right. the most important thing is 
committing to it and executing. Yeah. So yeah. The, if the intentions are there, you have to back it up with action. If you want, if, if you want to change, you have to change. Yeah. I love that. This is kind of like a more uh, general fitness question that someone asked. Um, they said lifting before cardio or cardio then lift. So it depends on your goals. If your goals are to get stronger, um, and build some muscle mass, and I'm not saying you can't build muscle muscle mass the other way around. But if your goal is fat loss and muscle gain or muscle gain in general, without the fat loss, always do your cardio after your weight training, you want your energy to go into your lifts so that you're able to go heavier periodically over time. And you're not gassed by the cardio. And I'm not talking about like a five or 10 minute warm up walk on the treadmill. That's cool. But if you're, if you're doing like 30 minutes on the stair stepper or treadmill, whatever, save that for after your lift. It also makes a really good cool down too. Cause I know for me, sometimes if I get in my truck right after I lift that lactic acid just kind of pulls up. And the second I get out of my truck, I'm like, holy shit, I don't think I can move. Yeah. Um, So, but if you are training for some kind of endurance, uh, you know, contest like a race or something, I would suggest doing your cardio prior to your lift because that's, you know, what you want to prioritize is your endurance. So, and then take it a little bit lighter with the weights, just so you're optimizing your, your recovery. But yeah, you can, you can be a runner and lift weights. It works. You just have to modify things. And that's where it's good to have a coaches to have like an outsider's perspective. That way they can adjust things as needed and make sure you're recovering optimally. Right. So, um, yeah. so speaking of that, a couple people asked how generally like how to balance weightlifting and cardio, like what, if you want to do both and you're not a marathoner and you're also not trying to like bulk up just like in general, what is a good sort of balance for both throughout the week? Well, first of all, you want to make sure you're eating enough and resting enough. That's going to be priority. But I would say just plan your longer runs, not, not close to your leg workouts. Mm. That's going to be the kicker. Um, obviously you're using both when you're, you're obviously you're using your upper and lower body when you lift or run, but it's more focused on your, your lower body. So I would say maybe cut legs down to once a week. If you are an endurance runner, or like a long distance runner and plan your leg day, maybe 48 hours prior or after your longer runs. Um, but upper body, I, honestly, you, you could even be okay doing that in the same day. Again, it's going to be very dependent on how you as an individual recover, but yeah. definitely space it out. And again, make sure you're resting enough and absolutely make sure you're eating enough. Yeah. Again. Wow. This, these are just like perfect segues. Um, <laughs> someone, someone asked, how to deal with rest day guilt. She said, I know it's so important, but I struggle. It is. So I would, it, it, I mean, I, I don't struggle with rest days anymore, but I absolutely did in the past. And I felt like I had to be in the gym every day or I wasn't going to make progress, but you're selling yourself short when you don't allow your body to repair. When you work out, those muscle fibers are broken down and they break down because they want to grow stronger to adapt to the increase in stimuli when you lift heavier. So if you're not giving your body adequate time to recover, that is not going to happen in the most optimal manner. And you will hit a point where you do not get stronger. You will feel like shit all the time. So I think to deal with the guilt, I always suggest 
doing something else in that time that you would be at the gym, whether it's going for a walk or cleaning, doing laundry, something to occupy your brain, um, whatever. If you have a hobby, like do that, unless it's super active, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But a, a walk is, a daily walk is probably one of the best things people can do for their health and they don't realize it. So just fill that little, that little void with something that's going to occupy your brain. But it's also one of those things that you're just going to have to sit with the guilt and prove to yourself that there is nothing bad about taking a rest day. I can sit here and tell you all this, but you have to prove it to yourself by actually taking your rest days and getting used to them. The guilt will go away, but yeah, it's not one of those things that you can just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be guilty today because it's, it's yeah. going to hate you. Right. Um, or, and it's not one of those things where you ignore and don't take your rest days because of the guilt. You know, sometimes you just have to sit with it. Right. So that's my stance. <laughs> I love it. But okay. I get it. Um, I've, I've struggled with that too. Um, is there, th- this person asked, is there a difference in weightlifting for fat loss versus weightlifting for building muscle or are they the same? Um, to be honest, I would train, I prescribe the same kind of workouts for my fat loss clients as I do, um, ones who want to build muscle. The cool thing about building muscle is that muscle is more expensive for the body to maintain. Therefore, when you have more muscle mass, your body is going to expend more at rest. So there's a metabolic advantage to having more muscle mass, which is why it's a really good idea when you want to lose body fat to not just focus on your diet, but also strength train too. So no, not a massive difference at all. Okay. They often go hand in hand. Oh my God, Meg. (laughs) I just feel like I have so many more questions and I have like- You want to do another episode? I would totally be down. Um, yeah, I think that we okay. definitely <laughs> will, but like, not like, we'll do it maybe like in March or something. Um, yeah. but just like really quick, I'm going to ask you a couple pregnancy questions people wrote in and then a couple of my own last questions, and then we will wrap up. So, um, someone asked, um, good strengthening workouts for pregnancy, like while you're pregnant. So this is a very polarizing topic and I, I'm just going to say you need to, before getting on any kind of training regimen, you need to speak with your doctor and let them tell you what you can and can't do. I can't tell you that. Can I recommend things as a trainer for people who are pregnant? Yes, but only after I have gotten the clear from someone's doctor. Right. But it, it, depending on what trimester you're in, you are pretty much okay to lift the way you usually lift. Obviously, you're probably going to fatigue more often. You're going to need more food. You're going to need more rest. Um, I'm just speaking for gen- very generally, um, not specifically here. But there is going to come a point where things happen, like your heart has to be above your navel. You can't lay on the floor things are going to get really awkward. So, um, but there's really not much difference in training when you're pregnant, depending on when, you know, what trimester you're in and obviously what your doctor 
suggest like you're not a you know a fragile flower just because you're pregnant so I just I love that I think that's kind of like a misconception like oh you're pregnant you can't do this well yeah you can yeah I love that yeah I mean, it all comes down to like, just, I mean, obviously, like you said, there are actual like scientific things and like doctor proof things, but at the same time, it really kind of all comes back to listening to your body. Right. Obviously. And like- yeah. And like I said, it's, it's like one of those things. It's like, it depends, <laughs> yeah. but you can absolutely train, you know, just as hard when you're pregnant. The human body is amazing. Obviously it grows humans you know, right. so it's don't, incredible. Don't, discount, don't discount yourself or don't discount other people because they're pregnant. Right. One question that a couple of different women sent in generally, the question is sort of like, what are some ways to ease back into workouts postpartum? And again, you're going to want to talk to your doctor to get, you know, the yes and no. A lot of people, um, will tell you to avoid certain core exercises if you have diastasis recti. Um, but I think that again, it's going to be just about building that foundation back up. I won't say go lighter because you don't know what you can handle, but chances are you're going to have to go lighter than you did pre pregnancy. So just getting outside every day for a walk, you know, doing some stretching yoga is awesome. You know, just easing back into things in whatever way feels best for you. So again, it's, it's just going to vary person to person, but you want to sort of, sort of build that routine again, you know, maybe three days a week, you do like a band or dumbbell workout at home. If you're not comfortable going to the gym yet, go for a walk, build that structure again, you know, have that timing. And then as you get stronger, just keep progressing from there. Again, that's another reason why it's, it's nice to have a coach to tell you like, here's what you can do. And obviously they can modify as needed. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last listener question I'm going to ask you. I mean, there's so many more, but just because we don't have time. Um, (laughs) So this person asked, um, how do I help less fit friends who complain about their bodies constantly in a gentle and encouraging way? I don't want to be superior or condescending, but they're asking for help. That's really hard because you never know how they're going to react. Right. I would first of all, you want to keep leading by example. So maybe invite them to work out with you, invite them over for dinner where you cook something. Maybe I don't want to, I hate the word healthy, um, cook something with like protein and, you know, like a a wholesome meal, basically, you know, just invite them into aspects of your life where aspects in which you feel helped you get to the point you're at like invite them on a walk, invite them to go to the gym. Like I said, invite them to come over and make dinner. That's the best thing you can do is lead by example. And then if they still are struggling, straight up ask them, how can I support you? You know, what can I do to be supportive in, you know, whatever you want to change and also make it known that you you love them regardless, but it's, it's hard because you just, you never know how people are going to react. Um, yeah. Again, and also Sorry, I just No, you're good. Like I can kind of feel the tone behind this question and I feel like, you know, it's kind of like when your friend who's in a shitty relationship, you know, comes to you and is like constantly complaining about them and they're a bad person that your friend shouldn't be with, but you know that it's like super tumultuous. So it's like It is. How yeah. how do you and this is like a whole other topic, but like, how do you remain a safe place for them and a sounding board without 
you know, scaring them off by like, you know, offering tough love and yeah. being like, listen, here's the deal, you know? Yeah. And some people you can give tough love to, and you know, you can, so that's in that scenario, do that, you yeah. know, just be like, listen, if you want changes, you have to change. And you know, here's what I did. Hey, do you want to join me for a workout? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's a hard, um, that's, that's so hard. <laughs> I know it's so hard. Um, but I think you gave some good nuggets there. So, (laughs) so the last question I want to end on is from me. And basically I'm just wondering if you could scream one thing at the sky for everyone to hear in regards to overall health and wellness, what would it be? Like, what, what do you, what is like the one thing you want to drill into people's brains? Stop looking for shortcuts. I love it. Yeah. Just stop. I know we went over all this, but stop looking for shortcuts. This is something for life. And this is not me saying you're going to need like a plan and a coach and trainer for life, but maintaining your health and well-being is for life. And if you don't, it absolutely will come back and bite you in the ass. Be in it for life. Stop looking for shortcuts. Yeah. I love it. So good. That's Um, what I want to scream. (laughs) so where can people, where can people find you and how do they go about, you know, having like an initial, an initial talk with you to figure out if like you guys are a good fit? Um, my links to my client submission form, my email is all in my profile. It's just my first and last name, Megan Murat, um, com. That's my website. And it's also my email, Megan Murat at gmail.com. So I have a different email for my clients, but yeah, it's pretty easy to get in contact with me. I will say, and my DMs are a hot mess, so that might not be the best road, but I do try to check those every other day and make sure I don't miss anyone um, interested in coaching and training. So, but okay, awesome. I would recommend either filling out a client submission, which I can have you link that to. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And I will. Uh, or emailing me. So I'm pretty easy awesome. to get hold of, as you know. You are, you are. And you're so responsive. It's incredible. Well, Meg, thank you so much. Obviously, you you know, I think that you're the best and I think everyone should work with you no matter what their goals are. So yeah, Yeah. thank you so much for coming on and lending us your brain and your knowledge. And I will definitely, definitely have you back on for sure, because I feel like we barely like, I know touch the surface. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how long have how long have I been with you? Three years, four years? I don't even know. Um, we started in at the end of 2019, so we're going on four years. That's insane, and we've <laughs> become friends too. Like some of the conversations we've had. Yeah, I mean, you're at my wedding. Like I know. <laughs> it's. I will it's... say, not a single calorie was tracked that night. I don't know how many drinks I had, but I had the worst hangover the next day. <laughs> honestly it's so fitness of you no that's incredible and I'm you know I mean our relationship is so special to me and I really couldn't imagine working with anyone else so I hope that someone listening reaches out to you and they end up feeling the same way I hope so too well I had fun and we'll do this again soon all right girl I will talk to you later and uh thanks to everyone for listening bye bye Thank you.